Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Big Ben's Dessert. Today I have another special guest with me. This one has been over a year in the making now. That's right. Because I remember, Marcus, I was telling you from time to time, I was like, man, I want to get you on a podcast. And this was right around the time when I was doing the self-investment tour. This last year was my third tour, I believe. Yeah, my third mm-hmm. tour. And I was like, I wanted to get you on for the tour. But things happened, and I just took off on the road. Oh, yeah. And then... um Got an opportunity to cover the Charlotte Hornets, so then that kind of pushed stuff back. But mm-hmm. then when I saw you at the uh, Success of My Prey conference, again, I was like, man, I still got to get you on. Oh, yeah. So now this is like the perfect time now that I have like an office space that I'm using. Mm-hmm. Um, you're out of school right now, and we're going to talk, talk about that as well. Okay. But today I have Marcus Porter Sr. with me, the school counselor and the founder of Marcus Mountains. How you doing? Man, I'm doing great. Man, I appreciate you taking the time. Like, I know you always busy. Mm-hmm. Um, Mountain TVs, I love the post. Um, the one thing I always say, though, no matter what, when I, when I look at your post or if I see anybody post something, they're like, who mounts TVs? Or do you know anybody that can mount something or put something together for me? If you go check the comments, mm-hmm. your name is always in the conversation. Mm-hmm. It might be other people on there um, from around our area. But your name is always somewhere on that list of 30, 40 mm-hmm. comments in there. Like, your name always pops up in the conversation. So, mm-hmm. that, that definitely means you're doing something right. Oh, yeah. And even for me, like, where I work, where I work at, people were asking me, um, I, if you know where I work at, then you know. But um, they were like, do y'all, do y'all have people that will come out and install stuff for you or mount stuff for you? I was like, I don't, we don't have anybody. But, like, if you need a third party, I got somebody that can, you know, yeah. take care of it for you. But, like I said, your name is always in the conversation. So, man, thank you again because, like I said, I know you're busy. You got a lot going on, but I appreciate your time. Yes, sir. So, as far as, like, the mo- the mountain goes, and we're going we're gonna to dive more into it, but did you envision it being how it is right now? Um, Actually, no, I didn't. I had no clue that it would get to this size right here. I just knew I wanted it to be um, something special, but it, it has it had just exploded into something that is beyond – my my even wildest dreams so it's, yeah. it's crazy like i said from from all the posts that i see um like i said people are always talking about you and from my point of view when when i look at it i'm always inspired it keeps me motivated mm-hmm. um but you know of course some people are like man he's all he's he's braggadocious he's arrogant or too cocky for me mm-hmm. so for you like if you had to, to explain describe yourself like how would you describe marcus porter senior uh marcus porter senior he's very very confident very confident mm-hmm. so they got the confident part right that's me <laughs> um arrogant nah i wouldn't say i'm arrogant because in my thinking arrogant means that i'm better than you and everybody knows who knows me they know that i want you to be better than who you are so I'm going to push you. I'm not going to say, hey, I got it. You can't get it. I'm going to say, I got it. Now, we can get it. That's right. Everybody knows that about me personally. But if you don't know me, if you look at on the outside in, it may seem a little bit braggadocious. Maybe so. But guess what? I'm proud of me and everything that I've done. And I always, give my, I always pay homage to the people who paid the way to me, for me. And I help the next man. Mm-hmm. I always, like I said, I appreciate it. It's different ways to look at it. But I always take, I try to take the positive out of anything because, mm-hmm. you know, just focusing on the negative is always going to be a, a, a downturn. So yeah. focus on, on the positive of things. Yeah. But um, for you, kind of let's go back a little bit, like your upbringing. Um, talk a little bit about your upbringing and where you're from. 
right, so I'm from Kelton by way of Union. Um, mm-hmm. Kelton raised me. Kelton instilled every value, um, anything that I do. That's my hustle comes from Kelton, um, Mount Joy Church Road, Isentown Road. Um, that's, that's where my bloodline. Um, but I, I also... Um, I lived in Union, you know, the, the second mm-hmm. part of my life. I would say um, then I just came to, once I came back to Union from Jonesville, from Kelton, um, that's when I became, a, I guess, a young man. But I didn't come from, you know, the, the money. I came from, I was an at-risk youth. Um, there were many, there were a lot of folks in the road where I could have been a, a, a drug dealer, a dope boy. And it would mm-hmm. have been like, okay, cool. He was supposed to do that. That's who we grew up around. But I said, you know what? Once I reached that fork in the road, I took a left, and I went to where I wanted to go. I knew where my mind was, it, it, no matter where I was at. And I remember um, thinking in the eighth grade, I envisioned probably 80 to 90% of my life. I knew what kind of house I wanted to live in. Um, I knew what kind of um, – I, I knew the feel of my house. I mm. knew um, the, the type of money that I wanted to earn. And everything has come to pass. So now I live my life on my terms. I do what I want to do. When you, when you talk about when you were in the eighth grade and you envisioned the things that you wanted your life to, to look like or you could see how, how, how it was going to look, did that come from a lack of things that you may not have had when you were young or did, it just, did you were just so locked in and determined that you were going to get what you wanted in life? Like, Where did that come from? It came from me um, knowing that there were better things in life. Okay, so I had the... I had the, the privilege of seeing some of my friends who had, you know, they had the married mothers and fathers. So I was like, you know what? When I get older, that's what I want. I want to make sure that I have that stability that they have. Mm-hmm. So when I had children, even though I didn't marry their mothers, okay, mm-hmm. I still want to make sure that we had a good relationship or a great relationship so that we can raise our children to have two parents, even though they might not have been in the same home. Mm-hmm. So what what was it for you? Did you know kind of not like growing up, did you always know what I mean? You, eventually said you figured out that you, what you um, wanted your house to look like and everything like that but did you know like what exactly was that you were going to do career-wise or like what you wanted to be when you grew up no no i had no clue um i dropped out of college my sophomore year maybe sophomore junior year I dropped out um because i was just so hard-headed i started to rebel my maybe my freshman sophomore year i think i rebelled in college and i i remember coach rucker down at Charleston Southern. I had a full scholarship to play football. Um, my first two years, I mean, I was a knucklehead. Mm-hmm. It was totally opposite of the guy that you all know now because I was being just as walking that straight and narrow road because I knew that I had to do right going up through high school, through mm-hmm. um, elementary school because I didn't have that stuff. I didn't have the backing to where, hey, if you mess up, I got you back. No, it was like, you mess up, you're done. So it was like, okay, I'm going to be this straight, narrow kid all the way through. So when I got to college, I was like, you know what, forget it. I just rebelled, I dropped out, and I worked. I didn't drop out and start doing something crazy, but I just dropped out and just started working mm-hmm. because that's what I wanted to do. When you talk about the, the college and, you know, you kind of like rebel. I, I always like to talk about this, especially since you went to college, I went to college, but like, you know, when you're at home, you have, you know, your parents or whoever you, your guardians are. They they wake you up. Um, they make sure you get to school, make sure you're there on time and all that stuff. So you have somebody that's always on you. But when you go to college, it's like a total, especially before you went down to Charleston. So you're three hours away from home. Mm-hmm. So now you don't have anybody. Your parents not there with you. you mm-hmm. You're on your own. Like, that really turns you into a man and... You have all of this freedom, this free time. Of course, you got to go to practice and everything like that. But 
talk a little bit about was it like that sense of freedom of like finally being on your own that kind of like made you kind of like sway sway you a little bit all right so let's back it up again in eighth grade um i was staying with my step grandparents that's who i was living with <clears throat> okay um and two of my other brothers um we the, the grandparents they they loved us that that's what they did they loved us they 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 fed us and they they gave us a house um our parents weren't there they were out doing whatever they were doing and if again if you know me you know my parents you know you know there's no need to speak on it but i was a grown man at, at, at in eighth grade Mm. I could I could cook. I know how to clean. I know how to wash. Even to this day now, they're like, "How your house so clean? Why why you don't have anybody wash your clothes and pay you to pay your bills?" No, I've been doing that since the eighth grade. Besides not paying bills, but everything else, it's been on autopilot. So, um, the getting yourself up to go to school, I was doing that since the eighth grade. I had nobody to tell me to do my homework. It was all just, "Hey, you got older grandparents. We just love you. Education really wasn't mm -hmm. our thing." So. You know, the freedom just came along. It wasn't the freedom that made me sway. It was just me getting tired of just being this perfect kid. And I was like, I'm tired of it. Mm -hmm. So what did your uh, siblings do, like, far as, like, did, what, did they, were they heavy influences on you? Like, what kind of stuff did they get? Did they play sports as well? Or, or like, what kind of mentors were they for you? Um, since I was the oldest, my, you said my, my siblings? Yeah, siblings. So yeah. my siblings, they're younger than me. So, oh, they're young. Okay. Yeah, they're younger. So what they did, well, they did exactly what I did. And my brother, Jamal Porter, he followed it to the T. <laughs> Too much to the T. <laughs> you know, um, as far as children, as far as um, graduating college, uh, as far as being a state champion. He did the same thing that I did to the T. So, um, and my brother, um, Jamal, um, Jeremy, he yeah, also followed, but Jeremy, he, Jeremy yeah. was the, of course, he was the baby. So he didn't follow it as much to the T, but, again, he watched everything that I did, and he still calls, and we'll talk about um, things that he should do, uh, questions that he may have. So I'm still their big brother. I'm still leading them in ways that I can in a positive way. You know, talking about living with your, your step-grandparents, um, playing, playing sports, um, of course you mentioned that you played at the collegiate level. For you, did it feel like, to a certain extent that football was kind of like your your way out for you yeah football football sports period it was always your way out i mean of course living in a small town union mm -hmm. a lot of people only thing they do is you know they drink they smoke they you know they it, it's a very mediocre right. way of thinking and so what i had to do was make sure that i'm thinking outside the box i don't want to have a a, a normal nine to five that anybody can do i always wanted to be better than i was okay i was always at um competing with me that's mm -hmm. why people say oh, he's he's arrogant da, da, da. if i am i'm only arrogant against me because i look at me every morning and i want to get better every day absolutely so at one point and i got i definitely want to talk about this um as we continue on like as far as like you know your football days at what point did you feel like okay I'm good enough to, you know, play at the collegiate level. Like, what what point was that for you where you feel like you could play at the, the next level? Um, it was my – it was the – I think it was the first or second game I seen. Yeah, coach came to me. He said, make sure you keep your nose clean because you're going to have a scholarship at the end of the year. It was that simple thing. Mm. I was like – I never really thought about, hey, I'm going to play at the next level. I just like, okay, hey, we're going to – I'm going out and help the team win. And it just happened. I never really – Gave it any thought about playing at the next level, really. Mm -hmm. Never really thought about that. I remember um, I had your former teammate on last year, um, Joe Petty, and mm -hmm. we talked about, you know, you guys played 
mm-hmm. um, together. Um, he, you had National Signing Day where you guys sat beside mm-hmm. each other and you signed your letter of intent to play at the next level. Mm-hmm. But just talk about that moment of like what Union was back then because it was like you guys were like the start of like a, a dynasty at that time. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that time because for me, I was probably around – Let's see, that was like, what, 99, 2000? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, okay, so I was like seven, eight years old because I was born mm-hmm. in 92. So I was young. I, I I watched football, but I didn't fully understand everything. Mm-hmm. But I just knew you guys were just like always competing, going to state championship. But, but And you guys were like the pretty much the forefront of like a, a dynasty. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what Union was at that time as far as like in football and what the, what the city of Union was like. Um. It's real simple. We we were the we were the cream of the crop. We we wanted to beat and we knew we were gonna beat everybody. This is where that confidence come from. You can ask the coaches right now. We walk in on a Sunday, um, some of the players walk in and we look at film, we look at them, we laughed at the teams, and we said, Coach, we're gonna kill these guys. And the coach is thinking, Man, are they serious? Like, yeah, they serious. Friday night, um, before the games or Thursday or Friday before we do our um, pregame, like coach, who wants the ball? Coach say, Who wants the ball? Hey, I want the ball first. Okay, throw it to me. You want the ball? Okay, we'll hand it off to KB. We're going to beat you every night. It wasn't a matter of if we're going to win. It was like, how much are we going to win by tonight? That was it. That, that's our attitude. And the city would just rally around you And the you city, guys. We, we brought the whole city out. My grandmother, my grandmother Lizzie Mae Smith, she was bundled up every night. She's 60-some years old. We had out there in the cold. We had out there in 20-degree weather, and she followed us. We had everybody in the city following us all the way to the state because they knew that we were confident and good enough to beat everybody that lined up. And a little-known fact right here, the starters – um, Coach Anthony didn't believe in beating people by too much. So what we did, we never saw the fourth. No oh, starter saw the fourth quarter. We only played three quarters and we were out. That's why you had um, Mike Lamay rest in peace. That's why you had Rip. That's why you had Josh. Even Josh was the next um, awesome quarterback come through. Josh Harris? Yeah, Josh okay, Harris. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, those guys were coming in and playing because the game was over. Third quarter, I mean, we only got beat. We beat – we only got scored on three times in the playoffs. Three times. That was it. And we only played three quarters. In the upper state, it was 38 to 6 in the third quarter. We put in freshmen in the upper state. You see what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. we only got scored on it. It was 7 7 6. I mean, nope. It's dumb. So you you guys were the. You played. You guys won the first state championship and then you graduated, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And then after that, that was what? Was that uh, Josh Harris and No, Ros- that, that, that was Roscoe and KB. Roscoe and KB. And then, yeah, and then. So Josh those guys and, were after you? Yeah, they were right after Okay. Yeah. Man, because I, I remember, like, those times, man, like, my, my mom would drop us off at our, my aunt's house. Mm-hmm. They would go watch you guys state championship. And then later on, like, maybe like a week or two later, like a Christmas parade, we would see, like, the state yeah. championship team yeah. marching down Main Street. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, it was something I really thought about this. And we're going to get more into your story, but. I was just thinking about this the other day. I was like, I really wish um, we could do kind of like a, a, a somebody would do a documentary of like uh, those teams in Union and what they meant to the community back then. Because from what you guys did and how you paved the way for football, and and then after you guys, when Roscoe and those guys really took mm-hmm. over, I was like, man, somebody should really come in and do a documentary on those teams and just talk about that time in Union and how special that was. Yeah, it was a great time to be in Union. I mean, that, that's the one and only dynasty. That's four years in a row that we went to the state championship. Um, that was the only dynasty to come through. And those were a great group of children or kids or athletes. I mean, coaches would tell you, only thing that we had to do during that time was just call a play. 
it wasn't like, hey, we're going to design this play. We're going to make sure that so-and-so is where they're supposed to be. It was like, you know what? Call the play coach. We're going to execute. And it happened every Friday night. And I, I got to ask you, since you you were up close, um, and I, I don't know, how, how many years did you play with Roscoe? Was it just one from, year? Or? I mean, oh, with him on the Roscoe football Roscoe yeah. Oh, was he from, there when you played? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, Roscoe was just – he wasn't real. Yeah. And that, <laughs> he was unreal. That's what people, I wanted to ask People you. don't understand, man. Roscoe, we call him 2-5. We call him Skull. Skull was just the most humble, quiet beast because he was bigger than everybody. He was stronger than everybody. And he was faster than everybody. He was just a freak athlete. Yeah, and that's, what, and that's what I wanted to ask you because it's just like – even when you go in, if you go into the high school now, I remember when we were there, they had the uh, pictures of, like, the state championship teams on the wall back towards the locker room, mm-hmm. and then it was these plaques that we would have up at the top when mm-hmm. they would just have, like, multiple athletes and all their accolades. Mm-hmm. And one of them had Roscoe's name on it. He had a whole entire plaque by itself, mm-hmm. and then there was another one right beside it with more of his accolades from football, yeah. baseball, everything. And it was just like – he was probably one of the greatest players to ever, in, even in the state of South Carolina. Yeah. He may be one of the greatest ever. Yeah, period. I mean, we I, I, I sat there and watched him. I mean, we played with him. So, that that's that. It's not even up for discussion about if. It's like, yeah, he was. So, that's, mm-hmm. that's pretty And cool. you could tell just watching him, you was like, okay, he, he's got something. Yeah, like, he's he different. has. He was way different. I mean, you go in and, and you in 11th grade benching 300 pounds. Plus oh, that's crazy. As a receiver, who can line up and, and, and jam him? Nobody. You mm-hmm. got DBs lifting 180, 200. I'm benching 300. I'm, I'm going to push you over and keep moving. You, you can't stop. Yeah, it, it, so, it yeah. was insane. So, that's why I said I would love to, you know, figure out a way to, to turn that into a documentary because of what you guys um, accomplished, which I meant to the community. Um, mm-hmm. That's something you always can say you are a part of, you know. Mm-hmm. You help, you know, build, like, that dynasty of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as we move forward, though, you play. You say you played two years at Charleston Southern. Mm-hmm. Two years, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know you say you dropped out of college, but you mm-hmm. you, you didn't still sway and just do stuff uh, breaking the law or anything no. like that. No. But was it was it hard for you to kind of like let football go? No, it wasn't. It, it it wasn't hard for me to let football go because again I was rebelling. I was rebelling, so it, nothing really mattered. Everything that was imperfect in my life that I had been holding in, it finally just spewed out, and I was like, I'm done. I just need to do me because I was just, let me not do this because I have to save face for this person. Let me go and hold this person the way that I feel in about them. And everything just, it just hit a, it was just too much. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I just need to relax and just fade off for a minute. Did you, so when you, when you left, I know you started working. Did you come back home to Union or did you mm-hmm. stay down in Charleston? No, I moved back home. I moved back home. I moved back home with my grandparents for like a year. And then I moved out. And ever since then, I've never been back. Okay. Was there ever a sense of like, you know, a lot of times when you when you go get away from home, go to do your own thing, especially playing football or whatever, and then you come back home, sometimes people are like, man, what happened to you? Or or you, you fell off because you didn't make it or whatever. Was there any kind of feelings like that or anything like that coming your way? Like people are like, man, what happened to Marcus because mm-hmm. he came back home? Um, no, uh, no. I was, for one, I wasn't that great of a player that they like, hey, who is this guy? <laughs> no, I was just, hey, I just knew my role. I was a decent athlete. So when I came back home, it was just like, hey, Mark is back home. Okay, keep on moving. Mm. Yeah. 
So, so you started working. What kind of? I always like to know what. Um, I know, of course, we know that you're a school counselor and uh, you have your own business now. But for me, I always like to know like what kind of jobs that you work in between time to throughout your journey. So, what kind of stuff did you do um, as far as like work wise after you know after school? Um, once I came back from Charleston, mm-hmm. oh, the best job in the world. Everybody been there. Uh, AMI Camp White Pines. Man, we had the, the most outstanding crew there. Camp White Pines out of Jonesville. I guess it's AMI White Pines now. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of us were um, former college athletes, um, college graduates, and everybody who was there during that period that I was there, most of us um, were business owners. Um, you got Trey, Lind- Trey Lindsay, who is the um, – he owns Tremendous Lawn Care. He owns – he let me see, he has his food truck. You got Reggie Gray, who's at Burns. You got Jarvis Davis. Man, we got we got so many people who left there. You got Shanae Moore. She's a, she has a doctorate degree now. A lot of us who were there, we left there, and we a lot of us went into the school system or we went into more professional um, businesses when we left there. So we were all like we ra- we were raised there. Mm-hmm. I just wonder, could you, you know, with coaching, did you ever try your hand at coaching after? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I went to uh, Broom. Yeah. Okay. When I left when I left Camp White Pines, I went to Broom. Yep. Did you? Could you ever see yourself coaching again, or is that something that you're like, I'm, I'm done with no, this in the past? No, coaching, <laughs> coaching is for young men, young men who are mm-hmm. who don't have a family, or maybe they do, but it, it takes a lot of time. Or it's for the older guys with family that big now, hey, you can go and rock and roll. But um, it was a great time then. I had the energy for it, and I was very enthusiastic about it. But now is you know, my children, they, they're big now. So now all my extra spare time that I have is into Marcus Mountains now. Absolutely. So speaking of, speaking about your children, at what what age were you were you, were you still with that coaching phase when you started? When you remember what what part of your career and your journey you were when your children were being born? Um, my children were born early. So um, my oldest, Tiana Monet, she was born when I was my sophomore year at Charleston Southern, and I stayed that no, yeah, my freshman year. That's when Monet was born, okay. and I said I'm gonna stay for one more year. But being the father that I knew I wanted to be, I, I could only last for one year. After mm-hmm. that, it was like, come home, make sure you take care of your daughter. So. I was kind of like, well, for me, I was, I was in my senior year. So I have three children. Mm-hmm. I was in my senior year, and my, my two oldest, they're two months apart. Mm-hmm. So I was with my daughter's mom, and then I stepped out. And, you know, mm-hmm. being in college, you think you're young, invincible, mm-hmm. you can do whatever. So mm-hmm. mine were, it was in my senior year, I was 22, um, and I was in my last semester of school, and I was like, man, I'm going to figure out a way to, you know, uh, uh, it's going to be rough, mm-hmm. but I'm going to still figure out a way to get this, get this done. So mm-hmm. um, it was rough. My my son was born in May. Then my daughter was born in July of 2014. And then that December of 2014, that's when I graduated from yeah. upstate. But, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Those are my two oldest, and then my youngest daughter, she'll be five in August. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. It, it teaches you a, a lot of responsibility. But So for you, how, did, how did you handle, you know, being a father at a, at a young – because you were actually younger than me. When, mm-hmm. your, when your daughter was born, like, how, how did you handle that, being a father at such a young age? Well, I told you, I was a grown man in eighth grade, so I, I was ready for it. Like, I, I quit – I stopped partying at 21. So I hit mm-hmm. 21 and stopped partying. Where a lot of people hit 21 and start. I was out of it. So I was like, I'm done. I'm, I was an old man, like they say, mm-hmm. old soul. And that's what I was. I was ready to, you know, sit down and, and raise my children. So I spent my chill, my 20s, that's what I was doing, school and children. That's it. I, mm-hmm. I didn't go any clubs. Like, 
my children still, they would always ask me, Daddy, why don't you go somewhere? I'm like, I got to raise y'all. Right. So that's why I was just always with my children. So people would always see me anywhere and they'd say, okay, there you go. There go those children. But then as I got older, they got bigger. They're like, where are the children? I'm like, they're big now. Right. So, So transitioning a little bit, you know, starting to figure out your your career path. When when did you get into education? Like, What part of that was? 2000, 2008. Yeah, 2008. Yeah. 2008. And what made you want to get into it? Because I always say I commend anybody that gets into the education field because it's one thing when you're when you're raising your own children, but then when you have to raise so many different personalities, oh, yeah. that's a different. And in this day and age, like it's totally different from when we were in school. So, what kind of like made you want to go like into the education space? Well, okay. So, so my grandfather, I guess it's in my lineage. Okay, so my grandfather, um, he was a math teacher, um, and then my daddy. Um, Stan Smith, um, he was a counselor in mm-hmm. the Baltimore schools, in the Baltimore County schools in Baltimore, Maryland. So it was like it was like uh, you just you just go into it. It's gonna happen. So that's that's pretty much how it happened. Mm-hmm. You know. And then you ultimately, so you started as a teacher, and then moved up to like a a school counselor. Because I believe I I think I saw it up two three years ago. Like you earned your your masters or something. Yeah, I have yeah I have two masters. Degrees. Okay, I have four degrees, but yeah, two masters. Okay. So my MED and my MS, yeah. And what is it uh, about you as far as, like, you know, being in the education field? Like, how important is it for you to, you know, feel like it's, like, being relatable to the students in this day and age as far as, like, in the education space? Well, as an educator, we know first you got you got to love first, then you can teach. Because if you if you don't love that student, you can't teach them anything because their kid, kids are hypersensitive. So they mm-hmm. know who care for them. So what I do is I build that bond first. We're going to talk. I got to get to know you a little bit. Then I can teach you. Once I can teach you, I got you for life. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it was a, it's like a just speaking for myself, it's like a, it's a a relatability factor to me. It means a lot to see somebody that looks like me mm-hmm. in a classroom. And I can honestly, honestly tell you, I think I maybe had only a handful of black teachers in my mm-hmm. whole entire uh, career, even high school and I mean elementary mm-hmm. school all the way up through college. I remember yeah. I had Miss Glenn in the. Uh, Second second grade, God rest her soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had another Miss Glenn, like in tenth grade in, at Union. But and I might have had another teacher somewhere. But to me, it means a lot when you have an educator um, that looks like that looks like you're not saying that you can't relate to somebody else that that doesn't have your same skin color, but somebody that comes from a, maybe a similar background that looks mm-hmm. like you, it means a lot. So how how do you feel about you know having that relatability to mm-hmm. like a student? Well, as a student of psychology, um, we call it the similar to me effect. Um, it's an actual, you know, real effect. If 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 I'm black, and I'm teaching a young black boy, he's going to learn it better, or he's going to learn it more efficient than uh, a white student being taught by a black teacher. Because you understand me, you know words that you can say that I'm like, how did you, how did you know that? It's because it's the relatability. If I know that you come from the hood and you made it out. You give me some hope without even saying anything. Because now I'm looking at you as that model of success. I can actually see it and touch it. You're real. Right. But if I have somebody, um, my white colleagues, and we talk about it all the time, they're like, Mr. Porter, what you say is what I can't say, but I like you to say it. So keep doing it. Because you can say stuff to these parents and these kids. Like when we have a lot of meetings, some of them that, you know, we have sometimes we have difficult parents, and I'll go ahead and lead it because I already know how we can get. So right, they say, Mr. Right. Porter, handle that for me. I got you. Mm-hmm. 
What do you think is like one of the biggest struggles that that kids in this day and age have now? Like something that they kind of like struggle with as far because now they have social media, so they see everything. Um, they may maybe they see something like what success may look like, and they feel like they may not be worthy enough of it or something. Like, what do you feel like kids in this day and age like struggle with? It's two things. Um, for one, technology. Um, Social media, we say technology, social media is one. But then another one is the parents who devalue education. If I'm in a house that values education, the probability of that student or that child put placing that importance on it goes up. But if I'm a student or a child in a house who doesn't value education, I don't care if you do your homework. Right. You see what I'm saying? So I just, I, I it's like by nature or by nurture, I'm not going to care either. Because I don't see any positive model of what education can do. But my children, they saw and they see what education have done for me. So they're like, you know what? It's second nature. Mm-hmm. So so when you're talking to other students, um, where do you fall in line as far as like, because you, you're on both sides. You, you're, mm-hmm. you, you work, you have a job that you work, um, and then you also have, you're an entrepreneur, so you have your own business. So mm-hmm. when kids come talk to you about, um, education or starting their own business or whatever whatever they may be they're trying to pursue like what kind of advice do you give them as far as like working a nine to five or or being a, becoming an entrepreneur okay um some of my colleagues and I we were having this uh this discussion a few weeks ago and I told them um I have a blue and a white collar so I, I have my shirt and tie on until three o'clock then I change out and I put my Marcus Mounts um outfit on Um, So what I always tell students, I tell anybody, as a counselor, I can't tell you what to do. I can advise you. I can give you your, let you weigh your options. But what I always tell people, I say, hey, follow your gift. Your gift is going to make room for you, Mm -hmm. as what the good book says. So what I did was it's like, hey, I I struck lightning twice. I always knew I could work with my hands, but I always knew that I could teach and help people. So, hey, what can I align with that gift? All right, I can help people. I give out good advice. Counselor, got it. All right, you're good, you're savvy with your hands, and you can read directions, instructions. Oh, you can put stuff together. Marcus Mounts. That's it. So, I mean, how how soon do you feel like we should expose kids to entrepreneurship? Day one. Mm-hmm. Day one. Day one. And here's an example. I saw, we saw, I saw, must have been yesterday, I was watching on the internet, Floyd Mayweather, his grandson was probably not even two years old now, three years old. He's, watching He's him sitting there boxing. Yeah, yeah. He's sitting there boxing. I saw that. A kid's brain, from a psychological standpoint, a kid's brain is malleable up until they're about seven years old. Once they hit seven, they kind of it starts to harden. So whatever you can teach in that seven-year period, the kid brain is it, it's a sponge. Teach me, teach me, teach me. But what a lot of times as adults, we kill our kids' dreams. Parents kill kids' dreams. Absolutely. Why are you wearing that? That don't look right, but mm-hmm. it looks right to me. Let me wear a tutu to the grocery store. Don't tell me I look foolish. Let me do it because I'm, I'm, you're killing my imagination. With tell, you want me to be grown. I'm not ready to. Let me, um, let me venture out. Let me explore. Don't kill my creativity because most parents kill their child's creativity by the time they hit seven. It's dead. Absolutely. Why do you feel like uh, kids... Parents may not, you know. Of course, I feel like it's almost like a syndrome of like you want your you you want the best for your kids, but at the same time you don't want them to go down a certain path. Like, why do you feel like parents like you know kind of talk kids out of their dreams? Because it, it it goes along with everybody else. Most people are dream killers, whether it's um, inadvertently mm-hmm. or they do it purposely. If if I'm not successful, 
and I, I tried something and I failed at it, when you ask me something about it, I'm still going to have that trauma. I'm still going to have that, uh, I don't think you should do it either. No, 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 no. You do it. It may work for you. It just didn't work for me. That's why we, we can't kill dreams. You mm -hmm. tell a kid, hey, you can be whatever you want to be. Just continue on. Don't gauge it by what I did. I tell my stupid, I tell my own, my, my children, hey, don't look at me and say, I'm going to do what daddy did. No, look at me and do better. That's it. Why do you feel like, as far as the education system, um, and you're in it, you're educated, you're a school counselor, like, why, why do you feel like, because even for me, I didn't really know about entrepreneurship, you know, growing up. I, I didn't kind of, well, I saw my uncle doing it, but even in high school and college, I didn't really know about entrepreneurship. I always knew, you know, going to work for somebody else. Why do you think the school system doesn't necessarily more, um, endorse entrepreneurship even more? Because I think if it is endorsed even more, you will have about your business people. And a lot of times what the education system is based on, it's based upon let's get some more workers. Because the United States is a corporation. The people who have the businesses, because let me let me let me just wind it back one more time. 99% mm -hmm. of businesses in America are small businesses. 99%, okay? That means you have uh, 500, 500 more employees or less, or maybe 499 or less. And, and that's 99% of what we see. So students, what they need to be doing, if they want to be beneficial, they want to get tax breaks, you become a business. Same Hire somebody. It's real simple. But the education system says, hey, I want you to work for somebody. All right, that's cool. But form your business in the meantime. But is it is it safe for you to say that as a, uh, you know, of course you give them advice, but is it kind of safe for you to talk that way? Because, you know, for us, they... In, in high school, they they'll show us, you know, it's, it's almost like it's like it's kind of like you're almost conditioned to a sense where like mm -hmm. you see your family, your parents just get up and go to work every day, and then when you go to school, and then you know they give us like these career fairs about going to different colleges and all this, and it's almost like they don't say anything about hey you can become have your own business or anything like that. So is it kind of like a, a space for you to be able to say hey yeah you might not want to go to college, but Here's something else you can do. Like, you can start your own business. Are you able to kind of, like, advise mm -hmm. that? Oh, yeah. It's called uh, it's called college and career readiness, okay? Mm -hmm. You can go to college and start your business, or you can just start your career tomorrow. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's exactly what I do, college and career readiness. That's what we do. We prepare our kids. Um, what we have at my school, we have, um, we have career days where we have career fairs. So we have people come um, from different careers. And then in the spring, what we have, we have careers on wheels, which means we'll have people from the police department. We'll have people from um, the, electro, um, the electrical departments. We'll have the ambulance. They'll come down. And we have people who I have even my own, um, the race car um, company come down, which is um, the Teals down in um, Clinton. Um, they'll come down and they'll show the kids, hey, you can drive a race car. You can um, work on these power lines. You can drive this food truck. You can be work on the news. But it's everything that has to do with wheels. So any career that you want to do, whether it be entrepreneurship or actual college, you can do it. That's what I promote. How would you get it across to the students as far as, like, you may, you may see some students that you know, like, okay, even just in their career, like, they're doing everything they can, but school is just not for them. Like, maybe they just need to go straight to work or, you know, create their own opportunities. Like, how, how do you get that across as far as, like, because you, clearly you can't just say, you know what, school ain't for you. You don't even worry about trying to go to college. Like, mm -hmm. how can you get that across to students, like, in a position that you're in if, if it's 
clearly something that may not be in their future. All right, so what I do is I ask the student, what do they like to do? You have to make it relatable. If a kid says, you know what, I know I'm going to work with my father doing X, Y, Z. Okay, so what does your father do? All right, good, he does that. Then you see this math class? It's going to help you add up and subtract and be able to read that leveler. It's gonna, you're going to be able to read mm-hmm. that ruler, okay? You see the science right here? So you're going to work with so-and-so? Now I make that science class relatable to that career that you're going to do because you're going to have to do something. I tell students, everybody's going to replace somebody. Nobody gets to be exempt. So figure out what you're going to do. I take this class right here. Let's make it relatable to what you're going to do. And now that they can see it in that class, now I can get through it. Mm-hmm. You, um, I want to ask you, tr- kind of transitioning a little bit as far as like from the education to, you know, to the Marcus Mounts. I remember at the, uh, back in October when we were at the uh, Success is My Prey conference, you know, you, it was, you had a moment where you said that I think you were at home or something and you were just, you know, praying to God, you know, just mm-hmm. to give you a sign or something, you know, to kind of like give you, I guess, somewhat of like a sense of freedom of like, I guess maybe was it financially or what, whatever it may have been, but like you were asking for God to like give you a sign. Um, what was that sign for you? Can you talk a little bit about that moment? It's like what that sign was for you and what you were going through in that moment. Um, it's real simple. I was broke. That's real sim- That's the most simplest you're going to get. It will never change in 30 years when I'm a multimillionaire from Marcus Mounts. Why did you start Mountain TV? Because I was broke. That's it. Um, April 6, 2016, my cousin Ike Porter hit me up. He said, Cuzzo, I need my TV mounted. I was like, okay, all right, I'll do it. Had I mounted the TV before that? Never. Looked on YouTube, all right, I'll be up there in a little bit. I mounted his TV, and I didn't mount another TV until 2018. Um, but in 2016, I think I was, you know, it was just something to do. 2018, I knew I needed to get it. So again, I was praying to God, praying to God. The whole time, my TV had been mounted on the wall since 2009, wireless and everything. And they had been looking at me the whole time. And then I saw it, I was like, wait a minute, I can do this right here. Took off. So for that time, like you said, from 09, your TV was mounted on the wall, and then you mounted the first one in, in 2016, and then 18, that's when you realized you could do it. That's what you needed to be doing. What was it that made you feel like, what was it you think it was that you wasn't able to like fully receive that message at that time like that? This is what you needed to do. Um, I, I'm, still, I'm still lost on that myself. Um, again, it didn't take off. The first five, the first six months, I mounted five TVs. That was it. The one that blew up, the one that, that put it out there was my brother Jamal Porter's TV. I mounted his TV and I actually posted it. I think I posted a couple more prior to that, but his TV was a 75-inch TV and I posted it and it just took off from there. It literally took off and it hasn't stopped since then. Did you practice with just family at first? Because I know you pr- you may not have wanted to go, go out and say, hey, let me mount the TV, and then something goes wrong with it pretty much. his family like, hey, Marcus, come do this. I'll give you a little bit of money for the, on it, for just mounting it up. Or like, was it, like, how did you get that first start? Other than, other than, I know you said your cousin, but the rest of them, like, were they just family? All right, so I did Ike. I, remember, I, think I, I think I remember sequentially the TVs I did. I did Ike's TV 2016. The next TV I did, and she was live, the one of Brandon. She went live. I'm going to make sure I remember these people. I got to take care of these people once I blow up mm-hmm. like I want to. Um, the next one I think I did was Demetrius Washington. I did Dee Dee. That's my daughter's um, aunt. I did her TV. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, let me see. Uh, 
I know the ladies I can't say. She she works at Walmart. She's a um she's a manager at Walmart. Can't think I can't think of <laughs> name right now. But she knows who she is. I did her TVs and then I did my brother. Um yeah, but one TV and I'm gonna this this first time I've ever admitted this right here. Um Tracy Booker. She hit me up and she wanted me to mount a TV and I didn't. And the reason why, because I was not confident. I was too scared. So Tracy Booker, I was scared to mount your TV. <laughs> I wasn't ready yet. I was green. But then here's the beautiful thing. She called me back a couple years later and I'll put her TVs on the wall, wireless. Shout out Tracy Booker. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Miss Booker. Um, you had a post, um, and I and I wanted definitely wanted to ask you about this. You had a post, and it, it went just viral. It was crazy. Like, you you were with another gentleman. Uh, I forgot. Is it Richards? Marcus. Yeah. Yep. You had a post, and I, what I respect about it is you, 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 you know, you were very humble. And you said, you know, I, I reached out to this brother, kind of paraphrasing a little bit, mm-hmm. but you asked him how could he help you, how could he help you, you know, better your craft. So mm-hmm. you went and kind of, like, shadowed him. Talk a little bit about that experience and, and, like, what it takes, you know, humble yourself in that moment to understand, like, you want to sharpen your craft. All right, so here it was. So I had um, Hill. I can't think of Hill's name again. I'm, I'm horrible with names. But Hill, tall guy, he, he knows exactly who he is, okay? He hit me up one night. I was sitting on my couch. He was like, all right, got this new house. Need some TVs mounted. And I want them wireless. At the time, I had no clue how to do a wireless TV. I said, okay. I just said, okay. I can't, you don't say you don't know. You just say, okay, you'll figure it out. So once I said, okay, I remember coming off my couch. I sunk down and sat on the floor. I knew Marcus Richards was the best. Hands down. I was like, you know what? I'm going to hit him up. I said, hey, you don't know me. I'm out TVs. I need you to help me out. He was like, okay. This is the address. He showed up the next day. He went in. Uh, we mounted the TV up. And he was like, okay, this is what you do. This is how you do it. I was like, that's it? He was like, yeah, that's it. I said, okay, all right, boom. Let me go and pay you. He was like, no, nah, I want your money. I said, you don't want my money? He was like, nah. We'll just, we'll just work together. From that moment on, I knew that brother was real. Marcus Richards, um, get in touch electric. The man is, he, he's the best electrician around here. But more than that, he's a great person. Like any, he, he's another one that he, he, I'll always be indebted to him. Um, anytime like we get big jobs, I always call him. I say, listen, brother, they, they got 30, 40 TVs they want to put into this um, apartment complex. Hey, you come and get your half, I'll hit half. And that's how we do it. That's how we do it. Why do you think so many people, what I respect about it from both sides, and I'm, I want to tackle this part first, what I respect from your end is that you are humble enough to, you know, say, hey, I have some skills, but of course I can always, you know, improve on what I'm doing. Why, why do you think so many people don't ask for help as far as, like, when they know they may need some help, even though they may not be at the top of the game, they try to do everything by themselves. Why do you think most people, like, are too proud to even ask for help? Because they're too arrogant. Mm. <laughs> they're not humble enough. They're not confident in themselves, mm. contrary to what they say about Marcus Porter. I know when to humble myself. I know when to be confident. I know when to talk that rah-rah. Right. But again, you have to be able to follow. In order, in order to be a great leader, in order to sharpen your skill, you got to be able to, hey, I recognize greatness. When I see it, hey, I respect it. Hey, mm-hmm. show me how to get to where you are. I always tell people, and if you like the age-old saying, if you're the smartest man in the room, why are you in that room? Go to where they're smarter than you. Go to where they have more money than you. Absolutely. Go to where they have better credit than you. That's what I did. I've been doing it all alone. That's my secret. If people don't know how do I do what I do and get what I get, I follow people who have more than me, who's smarter than me, 
who have more than me in every sense of the word. That's what and, I do. And then what I respect about Mr. Richards in is he was humble enough and he was open enough to, you know, invite you in and, yeah. and, and show you, like, this is what you do. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of times when people get to a certain status or whatever field it is, they might not want to, you know, mm -hmm. bring you up because they fear that, mm -hmm. you know, that you may pass them and, you mm -hmm. know, take some of their business. So from that end, it's like he was still open enough to, you know, uh, give you an opportunity and didn't even charge you for it. Because yeah. a lot of times, it, some of the things could be the most simple things, but a lot of times people like, yeah, I can show you this, but I'm, they might try to heat you over the head for something. Mm -hmm. for it. So for him to even do that on his end as well mm -hmm. was like um, major, major as well. Yeah. Um, you got the saying that you always say, um, even when I, times I post things and you may come in up under it. Oh, yeah. um, the price just went up. Price just went up. Talk talk about that that saying and, and like how did it all get started? Um, actually, I, again, I couldn't tell you how it all started. I mean, I have all kind of sayings. Lead by example, LBE. Mm -hmm. and, you know, people they'll they'll run it back and they'll say it maybe some slick, vindictive way, but you know, it's still lead by example. Um, but the price just went up. It means your value has just increased. It's that simple. Everybody should be moving on an upward trajectory. Nobody mm -hmm. should be just be just plateau. That's normal. I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be mediocre. I want to be going this way right here. In five years, I don't want to be doing what I did the last five. Okay? Because we have a short period, we had a short period of time on this rock. So why not make it a blast? Raise your price. You said something that made me think about uh, when people plateau. Brian Tracy, um, I, I, I like listen to um, some of his um, motivational speeches or readers. I have one of his books at home called Eat That Frog, but he was talking about when people plateau. Like most people, like once they get a job, they'll figure it out. Like you're saying, they go uphill, they get a job, they finally, you know, get comfortable where they are and they just do just enough mm -hmm. not to, you know, do anything else. Mm -hmm. They want to just stay where they are mm -hmm. and nothing else. That's it. Um, why do you think people, a lot of times, we, we get to that point of, like, you know, staying in our comfort zone and, and just, you know, just doing well enough? Even if we know, mm -hmm. like, we're not satisfied with who we are, whatever, like, we could be doing more. Why do you think we kind of, like, plateau and just you know, stay with because, it? Because it's, it's real simple. Human nature. We, we like comfortability. We like to be comfortable. And that's mm -hmm. cool. But being comfortable which is going to mean that you, you're going to be just like everybody else. I like to stand out. I like to go where I want to go. I like to buy what I want to mm -hmm. buy without looking at the price. I like to, you know what, I can book this trip to Dubai if I want to. I like to walk in that store and get what I want. But a lot of times being comfortable is easy. Growth yeah, yeah. hurts. Progress hurts. You can't go in the gym and say, I'm going to bench 300, and you have 185 on the bench. Yeah, you, you, can, you can max that all day long. But in order for me to go up to 215, 230, 280, you're going to have to put more weight on that. That's more pressure. Pressure. That's what you need. But, again, that's stress. Nothing changes unless it is under stress. Nothing changes. I don't care what it is. If mm -hmm. you don't stress it, like people say, I'm studying for this test. It's stressing my brain. That's because you're learning it. Your brain has to literally regroup itself in order to learn something new. That's why people don't want to learn. Man, I ain't learning that. That's too hard. You're right. It is hard. That's why everybody doesn't have that extra degree because it's too hard. Absolutely. And we're talking about breaking out of their comfort zone, for you, you, you work, you still have your, your day job, and then outside of that, you know, you, you, you mount TVs, you have your own business. And it's, it's some people that are kind of like towing that line as well, but and, or they may want to take that leap of faith. And I remember I asked you guys this at the uh, – Success is my prey conference, and I want to ask you again 
um, why you had the floor to yourself is for when do you know, like for people who, who may be looking to, you know, take that leap of faith, like when do you know when it's actually time to jump? You, you, you'll know. You'll know when it's time to rock and roll. You'll know when it says, you know what, I've had enough. When you're not happy doing what you're doing, then you know it's time to move. You know when it's time to move, when you're not satisfied anymore. When you become too uncomfortable stressed, just stressed out for no reason, then it's time to go. Because I only do stuff that I have fun at, period. If I'm not having fun, I'm not doing it. When I'm counseling my students, mm -hmm. I'm out there doing backflips with them at field day, I'm having fun. They just happen to pay me for it. So when I'm on TVs, people say, why do you work after work? Mount TVs isn't work for me. That that's that's like my stress relief. I'm I'm fun. That's happy. So again, when you're not having fun, when you're overly stressed, okay, some stress is pressure, and that's okay. But when it's just stressing you out to where your life is changing, it's time to go. Absolutely. And for me, like looking back, just looking back on my journey, um, yes, I still you know have my nine to five, but then I'm I'm, I'm working as well. But it's getting to a point where they both kind of like clashing and colliding and it's like sometimes you sometimes i know i need to be working on this but then i'm still working and you know it just gets to a point where eventually well now even more on my plate as far as like you know covering the hornets and some other things that are, are coming up is like you know it's never going to be a perfect time and that to and me to me just my personal experience i'm always i'm really the only one that's in my head just like holding myself back it's like mm -hmm. man like you sure you ready to do this? Like, you sure you ready to, you know, go out here and, and create your own opportunity? And for me, it's like, I've, I've been doing this. I've, honestly, I felt like I had no choice because once I was covering sports in college, covering the Hornets and a lot of different sporting events, you know, I, was, I thought in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm good enough to go work at one of these major outlets like an ESPN or Fox or anything like that, but it didn't work that way. So I had to, you know, kind of like sharpen my skills working at a radio station, uh, getting paid $10 an hour, driving all the way to Greenville and, and not being able to, you know, make any profit off of it. But mm -hmm. it taught me about, you know, the experience, like the behind the scenes stuff and everything that I needed to do. But it's just like, for me, I'm just like always in my head as far as like, man, you sure like now that you have these tools that you need, that you have, are you really ready to, you know, go out there? I think for me personally, it's like, Dang, that's like the toughest part, like just going out there and just, you know, jumping out there mm -hmm. to do what I need to do. Mm -hmm. We got a, got a few more questions, and we'll, and we'll get ready to wrap it up. Do you feel like as much as you've been able to accomplish, you know, as far as like uh, with education and, and, and mountain TVs, um, do you know what number you're at now, like, or what around? Yeah, like? I, can tell you, I can tell you the exact number I'm at. Right now, as we speak, uh, we're, we're, oh, okay, we're hovering around 3,700. 3,700. Yeah. Does, does that still feel like, because you know a lot of people say you you have your job and then you got a side job. Mm -hmm. Does Mountain TV still feel like it's a side job to you or do you kind of look at them as kind of like No, I, anything when you put side, um, I always put a monetary um, value with it. You know, if I was making X amount of dollars, okay, in the beginning it would be a side, but now it's a business because I have to pay taxes on it, which means I'm bringing in the dough. Mm -hmm. As far as this, I like to ask this as well. As far as like you know, starting, starting, you start to get a hang of it, mm -hmm. and you're making money off of it. Like as far as like your your prices, did you did you ask anybody else? Did you try to come up with anybody? Come up with your own pricing? Like how did you? Because a lot of entrepreneurs feel like they don't know what to charge for yeah. their yeah. to serve. Of course, you want to you're in it to you know profit, but you still want to you know help 
serve the people, but mm-hmm. you still have to make something off off of it if you're gonna yeah. stay in business. Like, yeah. how did you come about with like your pricing? And uh, you don't have to throw the number out there, but as far as like if if um, maybe at the beginning you like you were just kind of like playing it low, do, doing a low low number just till you got a rhythm and figured out how to really do it. Like, how did you come up with like your pricing? Did you look at other people or? How did they come about? Yeah, um, I think the first, when I first started Mountain TV, it was like $40 per TV. But it would take me like an hour to do it. I had no clue. I, I didn't have any anywhere to gauge it. Um, now, where did I get the, the $50 from? I, I don't know where it come from, but it, it sounded sweet. And it, it's not too much. It's not too cheap. But then what you do is, because a lot of times when I mount people TV, they say, that's it? That's all? You need to raise your price. No, it's okay. If you want something extra, that's where I'll get the price become. The, the, the price increase if you want it wireless okay that's an extra that's an extra $70 if you want me to drive to Charlotte North Carolina that's extra you want me to drive to Columbia that's extra um, but that's where you make the extra money from I don't I don't I don't try to get rich off my custom off my customer I want to get rich off my customers all of them mm-hmm. so I want to make sure that I treat everybody fairly mm-hmm. that's what uh, and it, this this probably surprises some people because you know, for me, they were like, man, you, you doing all this and that, you don't charge anything or anything. Like, for me, I've I've made some money. It's not consistent money off of doing this, but I was never in, into this for the money. It mm-hmm. was for me, it was just, you know, creating that opportunity of, you know, doing what I love and having that freedom that came with it. Now, well, everything that's coming along with it now is like, you know, adding on professional teams. Like, when that number comes, then, we had to talk about it down the line, but mm-hmm. it's like you don't want to overcharge or um, maybe I guess in a sense charge. So yes, you want to make some money, but you don't want to like like you said hurt your customers and just mm-hmm. hit them over the head and like and and uh, just tax them for no reason. But I think for you, um, what I look at is like yes, you provide great service. And I think the speed of it, of what you do, yeah, is what helps spread the word and like people know like hey. Yeah. You need somebody, he's going to be in and out, yeah. and it's worth every dollar. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, now we, 2023, we live in the microwave society. So I was in a guy's house maybe two or three days ago. I go in, and he went down the hallway for about, you know, five minutes, seven minutes, and I'm done. He's like, you finished? And here's a marketing um, tool that I use. Um, rather than raise my price, I'm just going to speed up. So if mm-hmm. I speed, remember, I was doing it for $40 per hour. Now I do $50 for seven minutes. So now if I can take that 50 and we can take seven going into 60, that's almost nine. So we'll just draw it back and, you know, take your time for going room to room. Let's say you're going to go five. Let's go five at 50. It's 250 per hour. I was doing it at 40. So that's what I do. So if I come to your house and I mount that TV, that first TV, you're going to be like, "You, you done? Well, I got another one. There you go. So that's what I do. It, it's just a little Jedi mind trick I do. Mm-hmm. I normally do. Most people have more than one TV. They think it's going to take me an hour. It's going to take me ten minutes, seven, ten minutes. That's and I like, Yeah. And it works. Yep. Without me saying anything. That's a hundred percent true. Because if you if you like, man, well, why are you here? I got another one. I want to go ahead and knock out two. And me, I and I got a friend. They yep. do it every time. They say, Hey, uh, matter of fact, can you mount my? I sure can. He'll be right over. Primary reason, that's one of the reasons just, that's why I go to like a, a take five oil chain sometimes because of like the speed. Instead of like going to Firestone, like I would make an appointment. It just made me think about that. Like I would make an appointment and I'm, even though it's my time to get my oil changed or whatever, man, I'm in there maybe 45 minutes to an hour. You go to take five, 
It's the same stuff. It's the same. You're getting the same thing. The same thing, and it's just just that quick process. You you in and out in no time. Right. And like you said, people like their speed and efficiency. They don't like to wait. Like you said, this microwave society. We want things. That's quickly. right. And they they know with me, you're gonna get. Um, you, you form that relationship with Marcus. Marcus Mounts is here. Here's my card. Uh, here's a complimentary lighter. Um, everything is insured. You can call me anytime. And now I tell people when I first mount your TV, you're a customer. But when I come back, now you're my family. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it works. It works. I know I can call Marcus. I know I can trust Marcus. He's not going to steal nothing. He's not going to. And I do it. Um, I had a realtor yesterday, uh, Damien. Damien, I mounted his TV's private um, before he, um, I guess, blowing up in his real um, real estate. He had a, a townhouse. He called me yesterday. He mounted five TVs. I only posted four of them, but it was five TVs in his house. He went all wireless. He was like, "Man, I appreciate you." I gave him a price. As a matter of fact, I went down on the price because he had a mount. He was like, "No, I'm gonna pay you the full price because you're so fast with it." There you go. And here's some cards. Go and tell your friends about me. Absolutely, and and think about it. People gonna always remember how you made them feel. Yeah, and I, I like it's like you have this great marketing marketing tool as well because even like when you post stuff on online, you have it on your shirt as well. Mm -hmm. When you post the TVs, you always make sure you have the the Supreme box right there. So That's it's right. kind of like it's like a signature. So if you see mm -hmm. that, then you know it's you know who that is. you know who that is. You know you know exactly who it is. Um. I can be out. You and I can be walking right downtown right now. And somebody, and that's not me sounding, quote, unquote, arrogant. It's just me being honest. Um, I would say, somebody come up and say, you're the Marcus Mounts guy. I don't even have to have a shirt on. They say, you're the Marcus Mounts guy. Or, didn't you mount my TV? And I'm like, yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I was in the bank yesterday um, making a withdrawal, okay? The lady said she needed some ID because it wasn't my bank. Da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, here. But then the lady, I guess the withdrawal had, you know, had a thinking some stuff. She was like, well, I'm going to need your social security card. I'm thinking, ma'am, I know I don't need one, but we're going to play your game. The lady next, in the next teller, she said, uh-uh, he's good. Mm. She come around, she said, hey, you mounted my TV before. I said, I sure did. See what I'm Perfect. saying? Like, he, yeah. that, that, the good name, she knows him. Don't, don't, he's good. I know it. And then what she said was she said, okay, now I'm going to need you to come next week and mount my daughter's other TVs. Thank you, man. Mm. How important is that to, you know, market your product and, you know, put it out there for people to see? Because, you know, like I said, I, I look at it as motivation. Like, okay, I see Marcus. He's always constantly working. But some people may be like, man, he's always bragging or he's always showing what he's doing here or here or there. How important is it to you know keep your name and your face and your brand in front of people's faces? Because even at the at that time, it's like you may not even need it at that moment, but like you said, it, it sticks with you. So it's like okay, I got a new home, or I'm at a, I got my own place or office. I got a TV and I need it mounted, and just then, even though you might not have needed it back then when you first saw it online, now it comes to your mind like okay, Marcus. Yeah. Can somebody. The, the the thing is with people. Whether they love me or hate me, I want them to think about a TV and me synonymously. Synonymously. As long as you're thinking about me, I'm doing it right. As long as you're thinking about Marcus mm -hmm. Mounts whenever a TV comes up, I'm doing it right. Because sooner or later I have something cooking up that's going to change the Marcus Mount into something that's like, oh, my God, this man is really doing it up. Mm -hmm. So, again, catch me now before the price goes up. The price goes up. You, you have a way of captivating people online. Um, and like I said, it's always inspiration. It rubs people the wrong way. Like, 
what for you what is like your your um method of like what are you trying to you know get out of people like when you when you post and make them think about like uh different things like what is it that you're trying to get people to do you just said it think most people don't think they don't think for if, themselves. If, you, if you if you just think you already won most people don't think they do people don't think they just do Somebody could have been a Marcus Mouse. They could have been 40 Marcus Mouse. But these people sit there and have all the talent in the world in their brain. And they just, they just doing this, this boring, laborious job every day. Complaining. Complain. I don't complain. I don't accept excuses because I know where I come from. A complaint is not going to get you anywhere. Nope. But thinking is going to get you to the next level because all the top CEOs are thinkers. And if they're not thinkers, they're going to pay somebody else to think for them. Mm-hmm. Man, it, it made me think about, you know, uh, Patrick David, I read his book, uh, Your Next Five Moves, mm-hmm. and he said one of the keys to success is the, the ability to process information and, mm-hmm. and process problems. Mm-hmm. But most times when I'm online, and it's not to bash anybody at all, um, when I see people online, they, they always complain about, man, who's hiring or anything like that. And then the next thing you'll see is somebody saying, you know, What's a good movie to watch on Netflix or what's a good TV show? Okay, you, you're complaining about where you're working at, but then you sitting at home watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't do that if you mm-hmm. want to get to where you're trying to go in life. Exactly. It's like people got to to break out of it, but it's like we're almost to a sense, you know, program. Like you said, we do the same thing. We go through these same motions. And like you said, not even, you know, thinking for ourselves. It's just like yeah. just being programmed to do what we, we saw growing up. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people they're, they're, they're partying and celebrating nothing. They're, they're, Thank you. You you yeah. you you're out partying, but for what? You, you're going out to party this weekend to celebrate what? If if exactly. if, if, you, if your if your bank account isn't in check, if your credit isn't in check, if your health isn't in check, what are you partying for? Because <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. The excuses. That's why. That's why I don't. I don't. I don't buy people excuses because I'm sitting there watching and I see you out, and that's fine. I'm not going to judge you. But I'm not going to accept your excuse because you could be working, too, because I'm yeah. going to work even after work. And Absolutely. I'm going to get up early, even on my days off. Exactly. Well, speaking of getting up early, like what kind of like is your process of like how you go by your day by day now? Um, as far as like when you first wake up in the morning, like what is your kind of like your routine to get your, your yourself going for the day? Um, first thing I do, I, I give I give honor to God. Every day. First, before I even open my eyes, I'm, I literally wake up. I thank God for every little thing. I mean, I even tell my students, I thank God for the floor, for the ceiling fan, for the long clock that just woke up, for the TV. I thank God for the breath in my body. Thank you for the green grass. Thank you for the car getting ready to crank up. I think you got to be thankful for the smaller yep, stuff in order to get the mm-hmm. big. See, this is things that people don't know that I do. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for the smallest because if I'm grateful now, I mean, God is he's just going to keep blessing me with bigger. Yep. So that's what I do. I wake when I wake up. Um, I make sure you know, send my text messages out. Okay, good morning, tell my baby, tell my kids, good morning. And then what I do is I check and see who needs their TV done. Somebody needs a TV mounted. Somebody needs something assembled. And that's what I do. Once I do that, I'm good. I, I'm good to go. But I set a, a number in my head because I know Monday through Friday, every date has a a number attached to it. Saturday is gonna be a big day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they have a day, they have a number attached to them too. So what I do is once I hit that number, I'm good. Now I can go and party all I want to, and it doesn't affect my bottom line. Mm-hmm. Like you said, starting out your day, it was so important. Like you were saying, like when I kind of like my routine, um, 
I, I get up early in the morning. Um, I, well, first I work early in the morning, mm-hmm. so now it's kind of like I'm so used to it. Like I, I'm at a point now I may get up three, three thirty in the morning, and mm-hmm. I get up, and I just start writing. Like how you say you you pray and say you thankful for everything. I get up, I have two notebooks, and I um, write everything that I'm thankful for: my family, my friends, mm-hmm. like car, job, have food to eat, everything. The opportunity to inspire my book. Pockets, everything that comes to my mind, I write it mm-hmm. down every single day. Um, and then I write the saying that I will travel the world interviewing the greatest minds and inspire millions of people. All right, let me stop you right there. When you, th- this is what you do, and th- this from this from this from um. Okay. Take out the will and say, I am traveling the world. Mm-hmm. Because now you're speaking it as if in the present, it's happening right now. See I'm what you, you do said is you putting it, you putting it over there. Put it right. now. I am. I'm driving, even in my car. It used to say, I am rich. My definition of rich is having more than what you need to take care of your daily um, uh, lifestyle. I, I, I got that. Now it says, it's scratched out, and it says, I am wealthy. It mm-hmm. didn't say, I am going to be wealthy. I'm going to be rich. No, 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 no. That's too far. Mm-hmm. I need the now. And I'm glad you said it because I, I have, so I have two notebooks, and that's the one. I'm, I'm definitely going to change that. But in my separate notebook, I have another one where Brian Tracy said, you know, the things that you um, or pursuing, you know, writing it in the present tense. So I have another one that writes that I write in. Uh, I own Cross the Line Studios. Um, I cover the NFL. I cover the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I am a I am a business and media mogul, and I write all these things like in the present tense. So I'm glad mm-hmm. you said it. So now I know when I go back to my other notebook, like you said, instead of saying I will, so I am Damn, traveling the world. Everything that 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 comes out of I am is mm-hmm. everything. And I'm gonna let you talk about that as well as about you know, That's speaking the power of your speak about the power of your words and like how important it is and how people need to you know be careful of the things that they speak. Um, you, you have to be powerful with your words. Your words are power. What you speak is you can speak it into existence. Okay. That's why I'm confident in everything I say and everything I do because I know that words have energy. Okay. We we've seen it um, from a, a a scientific standpoint. We see it from the motivation that we breathe into um, people in the community. So we, we can look into our rap music and see sometimes the detrimental effects that our words have. Yeah. Or we can see from a coach. We can see the positive um, effects that it has. So we have to make sure that we speak. I only speak on what I want to happen or what is going to happen. That's why I don't give light to to uh, the negative attitudes and the, the complaints and excuses. Because I don't need to hear that. You, right. you, you can go over there and complain by yourself. Now, yeah, I'm good give, me the, yeah. give me the, give me the, I want to know the solutions. Okay, you have an issue, right? Tell me a solution. Tell me an issue. Okay, now, let me help you to help you to find the solution. And now we can get on with our day. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, you know, something else that I saw. I'm what? Yeah, it was about three years ago. And I remember seeing this um, when you did it. And I thought it was very creative. And uh, But... But the feedback from it, it was, like I said, of course, good and negative. Mm-hmm. When you did, I think it was the 2023 freshman class mm-hmm. of, of entrepreneurs, which mm-hmm. I thought it was very creative to, mm-hmm. you know, highlight entrepreneurs and, and just highlight entrepreneurship overall. But, you know, to, to give these people their flowers, talk about what led you to, you know, create that movement and then, like, some of the feedback and the pushback that you might have got from it. Okay, so again, my mind, if anybody knows me, they my mind goes like this right here. So I have to I write a lot of notes down. Like I wake up at two o'clock in the morning with the idea, I have to write it down mm-hmm. real quick. Because everything that people say, Well, why did you post this? I'm like, Well, I wrote it two months ago. I just 
happened to randomly pick it and post it. Um, so I was thinking I was riding in my truck and I was like, man, I, I need to get some spotlight on some people. And it was like a spur of the moment thing. And again, it was a last minute thing, but it was on time. But it made, you know, if that makes any sense. I took two, I, t- I tried to do it quickly, but I didn't get too much time to do it. Um, so I didn't get to highlight everybody. It was just like, you know what, let's do this on August, on this date right here. Mm-hmm. And it just happened. Now, a lot of people, um, some people, they were like, you know what, I should have been here, or this person should have been included. Trust me, I want. I would have wanted the whole city to do that. Right. So I couldn't get everybody. That's why I said, like previously, I said um, before the interview, I said, man, I need an assistant because my assistant would say, hey, Marcus, I know this is what you want to do, but hold your horses. Let's go ahead and write these people down, all of them. Now let's get them together in about two or three months, rather than two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. So, but was, but my thing is, even when you do that, though. It's always going to be somebody that oh, may yeah. not be able to make it. Oh, so yeah. it, regardless, they're going to be like, well, even if you set a date, something happens where people have family or whatever, jobs, whatever it is, they still may not be able to make it regardless. So it's almost mm-hmm. like you can't win for losing. You can't please everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, I thought it was creative, you mm-hmm. know, to like highlight these people um, and give them their flowers and just highlight entrepreneurship and people trying to help make mm-hmm. a difference in the community. Because, But of course, like you said, it's always going to be some kind of pushback from it yeah and just just to piggyback on that if you if we would go back to that picture and and look at those entrepreneurs that were in there um again rest in peace mike rest in peace mike yep rest in peace mike reggie rock still doing his thing keela land smith she's doing her thing um let me see dunn's do it all still doing his thing mm-hmm. Trem- uh, trey Lindsay with tremendous uh pressure washing still doing his thing Bradford with the best resumes in the world. My cousin, Bradford Brown, he's still doing his thing. Marcus Richards still doing his thing. Uh, Sheena still doing the nails. Uh, let me see who else was in there. Uh, Tasker Stewart, she's still doing her thing with Juice. Let me see uh, um, who else I got. I got, um, let me see, Flat Lloyd, he's still doing his thing. Mm-hmm. He, he got the trucks. Uh, man, I, I'm trying to think who else. Ch- uh, let me see, Chad doing his thing. Let me see who else. Man, everybody was on there, man. Look, the people who own that thing, they're still doing it. Right. And if you, I missed anybody, uh, my cousin uh, Quan uh, means he he's still doing his thing. Oh yeah, Quan. Shout out to Quan yep. as well. Do you feel like there's something maybe with an assistant that you may bring back again? You know, highlight the entrepreneurship again, or was it like, man, I have a lot on my plate already? You know, maybe somebody else can take the baton and, and you know run with it. Oh, wait a minute, one more. My cousin Tim Smith. Um, He's a new coach of in District I say, Five. Yeah, I remember Tim, Tim was in there. Yeah, being a vision out. summit too with us. Yep. I remember we were there. Yep. Yep. So I ain't gonna yep. miss out my yep. cousin. But um, now what, what was the question again? Would, would there something you think you may bring back eventually, or is it like you have so much on your plate right now? Well, I think now it, it it's pretty much being consumed now with a lot of stuff that people doing now. The business summits and you know the the the, the business gatherings that a lot of people are having. So. Um, it kind of it's kind of taking care of itself, but I still want to mm. do something similar to that, to where I could just bring these people, and us not having somebody come in and actually speak to us, but us just get together and bounce ideas. Like you got you have a um, a group of entrepreneurs that come together, take this nice picture that projects around the whole nation. Mm-hmm. Okay, these are young entre- entrepreneurs. Okay, they're doing their thing. Now we're gonna get together as a we're gonna eat dinner. And just talk amongst each other. Well, how are you doing this? Because it only takes one person to take your business to the next level. 
You may have another guy who, who, who runs this podcast. You're like, wait a minute. How do you do that? I like that. And y'all just sitting exactly. there eating. That's what I want. We need. To we definitely need more of that, you know, people coming together, you know. Yeah. And not and, and pushing egos to the side. Correct. Because you have to be able to help other people. And like I said, it's not, I love our people. Don't get me wrong. But when I talk to other people outside of um, our community, like I have a guy that I work with. And he has this thing. He was t- talking to me. He's he's a Russian guy, really good guy. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how his wife bakes cakes. She has a business on the side where she bakes cakes. And he was like, uh, so how do how do y'all do? She said, man, my wife right now. She he said that they don't worry about selling to the outside people right now. He said it's something on Facebook or some kind of community have where they said she sells strictly to the Russian community and they all support her. Mm-hmm. She's like everybody just goes to her when they need a dessert or something. They mm-hmm. go support it. They don't live above their means. Like they all, they take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And for, I feel like for us in our communities, as African Americans and just in that entrepreneurship space, regardless, we got to be able to do the same thing: take care of each other. You know, somebody that's that's doing something, mm-hmm. send them that person's way if that's not your expertise, mm-hmm. and don't worry about you know somebody else surpassing you and, yeah. and getting ahead of you. Yeah, I, you, you're 100 correct about that. Um, Again, one of the biggest um, places that you could have your business is on social media. There's yep. around 2.95 billion people on Facebook, and there's about 2.9 billion people on, um, let me see, uh, IG, Instagram. Um, but my biggest supporters, I already know, is is the um, the black women. 90, 90, 95% of my customers are black women. Mm. I love them. Powerful. Thank you, ladies. I'm always help them any that that's why anytime somebody wants something to be uh sponsored or something I give them money for it. I don't even need any accolades for it. Just know they hey this back. is from Marcus Mounts handling your business and that's what that's another thing that people don't know that I support a lot of things behind the scene. I don't need accolades. Just let me mount your TV. Absolutely. And the rest of it's going to take there care you go. of itself. They're like why does it keep happening cuz he really does what he says. Are you at a point where like I said, you get a lot of pushback um, and you get a lot of praise and a lot of credit that you deserve. Are you at a point where you feel like you're comfortable with being misunderstood? Because I say you do a lot of stuff behind the scenes people don't know about, but a lot of times people see what you you post and they may feel it may rub some people a certain type of way. Um, are you okay with being comfortable with like being misunderstood? Yes, I do it on purpose. It's on purpose. I want you to misunderstand me. I don't want you to know me. I don't want to be intimate with you. You're fine. I want you to see that persona and be locked into him. Mm-hmm. Like like some people that say, man, you're such an enigma. I don't want to keep it that way. Because now I can keep my privacy. Because what you think, that's fine. That's cool. Until we sit down and talk, he's like, man, I do. You're nothing like I thought. That's cool. Now you know me. See, there's a small group of people that get to know Marcus Porter. Mm-hmm. But everybody else, they see that guy on, on, on you know, they see him on the internet and driving cars and the money thing no this this is what i like to be right here cool mm-hmm. and chilling out but isn't it weird to us that when you think about it like people um love what they hate meaning like mm-hmm. they may get tired of seeing you but mm-hmm. they won't unfollow you or they unfriend won't. you or anything but they it's like they're so still attached to seeing what you have going on mm-hmm. like isn't that like a for some reason i don't know why what it is when with people like they may hate something but they still want to see like, what's going what's on? Doing? It's like an attachment disorder, as we were saying, psychology. And that's what I play on. I know people, people, as long as you're staying relevant, that's good. The money's going to keep coming. Because mm-hmm. whether you tell somebody 
to not allow me to mount that TV, you still mentioned me and TV. It's right. still going to play on, well, wait a minute. You don't want him to mount your TV. Why not? You don't want Marcus mounts. Uh-oh, you said it. Now I'm planning into your subconscious. Because somebody's going to be somewhere where you say, he mounted my TV. Well, let me just see him. Let me test him out. You know what? That's a cool dude. He ain't. He just. So you put that stuff up on the internet just to make. Yeah, I do. It's just fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to talk to you about um, your post. It's been a while. I remember you, you posted like you had a vision for like a, a, your dream car. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you finally uh, obtained mm-hmm. that car. Mm-hmm. Talk about like envisioning it and that process of like how you were able to, you know, achieve that that, that dream of driving your dream car. Because a lot of people have a, a dream of like what they fantasize, what they want to acquire. Um, they may not be there yet, but like talk about that of like how you actually you know, acquired. Of course, we knew you worked hard to get to what you, mm-hmm. get what you wanted, but just about achieving that big dream of uh, having a dream car. Okay, I'll take you back 2012. 2012, I wanted a. That's when the Chrysler 300s were. You know, they were kind of new. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a, a hem, the Hemi C, and it was gold Chrysler 300. I saw it. I put it on my um, my screen at school. I put it on the screen. I thought, I'm gonna get one. That next year, I went and bought that same car, but a different color. Next year. See, mm-hmm. when I, a lot of people talk. They don't do. They just talk. Mm-hmm. See, what I do is I, when I say it, and the people who know me, it's, it's a done deal. We know you're going to get it. So fast forward, I saw um, the Lamborghini. I saw the Lamborghini. I, had, I put, it on my, um, put it on my screensaver, and I put it on my board at home. And my cousin, Donovan Roberts, he said, man, yeah, 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 you probably going to get that thing one day. So what happened was, I think 2020, 21, uh, it was 2020. Um, Shaq had a party, and I rented the Lamborghini. Same one. I remember that I seeing had. that. Yeah. And the thing was, people don't know that I been. I had, that was that was something that was been. It was written two years prior. I said I'm, I'm gonna drive one of those. Unfortunately, I'm too tall for it. Just it had my leg hurting the same the whole weekend. <laughs> but it was just something that I had. Now let's go present time. The red Corvette, June. It was July 21st, 2022. No, June, July. July 21, July 21, I saw it. I put it again. I put it on the screen, save on my computer. I said, I'm going to get that car. And I, po- I actually posted it on social media. A year and four days later, um, I saw it again. A year later, I saw it again. And I stopped by the dealership. I said, don't sell this car. I'll come and, I come and get it on Monday. Monday, I went and broke, gave him some money and bought it. Mm. You, you just know. you just gotta get it. Don't don't talk. Just do it. Just do it. And I think one of the underestimated things about all of it as well um, is just believing that mm-hmm. you can do it. Like, yeah. For me, it's like man, I when I write things down of what I want to accomplish, it's like and I put the work in. But it's like, do you actually believe yeah. that you can have it? And be- I think man, some people they may say things at times, but they don't necessarily believe it. But I believe on top of everything that you do when you write it down. Mm-hmm. You pray about it. You have mm-hmm. a vision of what you want to do. Put in the work, but you have to believe it. If you don't yeah. believe in it, yeah, you might as well just hang it up. This, this is what I do. Any any time, and this this is where my confidence comes from. Because the people who say he's arrogant, those people have low self esteem. Because when I walk in, if I say it, I'm gonna do it. If you say it, you're doubting that you're gonna do it. When I say it, it's done. And the reason why, because the method to my madness is. Like you say, you write it down, or I have an actual picture of it. I ask God, okay, God, this is what I want. Now guide me to getting it. Thank you, God. After that, now is you going to try to compete with God? You can't do that. Exactly. You're human. So God has already guided me, and you don't even know it. Now when I get it, you say, oh, he thank he something. No, 
Tell God that. Because that's who blessed me with the ability to Absolutely. get it. God did. Absolutely. Absolutely. I got a, a few more questions, and we'll get ready to wrap it up. Um, I remember at um, the men, the men of vision Bible study. I mean, the men of vision summit that we had in twenty. I think it was twenty twenty one. I believe that was the mm-hmm. first one we had. And I remember we were sitting at the table, and you you mentioned a uh, book that you read. Uh, I think it was the Science of Getting Rich. The Science was, of Getting Rich by Wallace D. That Wallace. was the book that kind of like transformed your mind. Like talk talk about that book and some other books that may have like changed well, your perception of everything. Um, I think it was two thousand fourteen fifteen. I read that book. The Science of Getting Rich, and I would recommend that book to anyone who's not as confident in themselves as they if they think they should be. Once I read that book, it transformed the way that I thought. Because a lot of times, what my daddy always says, he says, son, you can't go through this world feeling. Feeling's not going to get you anywhere. You have to think it through. And so what I do is I think a lot. Sometimes I overthink, but I'm thinking. And that book right there, it transformed the way that I thought and the way that I view the world and everything that's in it. Because this world is just a, it's just a, a system. Once you figure out how this world operates, you can do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm confident in what I do. Because I understand how it works. But I put my faith in God. Absolutely. So that's where that confidence comes from. Mm, absolutely. So was it was it any other book that you had, or was that just the main one? For me... Like I tell people, the book that that started everything for me was uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I told him my car, and um, I had to get another car. And when I was at the dealership, the, the gentleman was asking like, "What do you do or whatever?" And I tell him why I work at. He's like, "Whatever you do, don't settle." He said, well, you, know, "You get a chance, go buy Rich Dad Poor Dad." And it was another book. I can't remember the other one, but I made sure I went and bought Rich Dad Poor Dad. And mm-hmm. when I read it, I had I was probably maybe a year or two out of college already. And when I read, it, I was like, "Man." This stuff that they, he's talking about in this book is like, man, did I really need to go to college? Now, education is a great thing to have. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it was like the way he broke down the perspective of how we look at life and how we look at money and everything. Rich mm-hmm. Dad, Poor Dad was that the first book that kind of made me like, you know, start, you know, start questioning things mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. And when I read that, it was kind of like when I started, you know, snow things started snowball. Not saying I still have everything figured out now. But it was like the first time I was like, okay, we were taught a certain way in school and, and, and look at things a certain way in life. But when I read it, it's like, okay, yeah, thinking, thinking about it, thinking, looking at things in a certain way. All right, so the book, um, the one that, that also that piggyback off that was the book Rise and Grind. And that, that book, um, I can't think Damon of John? Damon, yeah. Yep, Damon, Damon John. That yep. book right there, that the whole book, you know, it has all these, you know, motivational guys in that book. But his chapter... It's the only chapter in there that, that I was able to relate to that stuck with me. And the only thing that stuck with me in that book, and I still have it just sitting right there when I'm every night just sitting on the stand. Um, he said, go to bed empty. Go to bed empty. I go to bed empty every night. Well, I wake up, I already know I'm going to do this. I'm going to, because my grandmother, Lizzie Smith, used to ask me even as a little boy, what have you done constructive? Meaning, you need to get up and you need to do something. So every night when I go to bed, I make sure that I've been constructive that entire day. I make sure that I've assembled something, mounted something, did something with my hands, or helped another individual. And that's what I do every day. So when people say, it's Father's Day, are you going to work? Yep. It's so-and-so day, are you going to work? Yeah. Because that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Give me something. we got a few more questions. I know you got to get ready to wrap go. Um, we'll get ready to wrap this up. Um, 
uh, the myth about money, you've been able to, you know, acquire your dream car and achieve a lot of success. Um, I, I, I've seen many, numerous times where you say about, you know, achieving six figures, mm -hmm. like it's possible for anybody. Mm -hmm. Can you dispel a myth about money, um, especially for, you know, a lot of times in our community, we may look at things a certain way. We may be taught a certain way about money or or about credit or anything, but just like a, a myth about money, like can you just break down a certain type of myth about money that you could dispel for people? Yes, money is not white. It's not mm -hmm. white. Not, you, you, it's, it's not brown, it's not white, it's not black, it's not anything. Money is money. Money is not bad. Money is just what it is, okay? Anybody can get money. But again, just like we said previously, you got to watch your words mm -hmm. and what you think. If you think having money is bad, oh, them rich people, they so-and-so, then you're not going to be those rich people. If you think these people doing this, the only reason they're getting this money is because they're doing something evil, then you're not going to get it either. Mm -hmm. You have to know that, hey, we live in the United States of America, which is a corporation, which is a business. A business. As long as you can provide service for people of what they need or what they think they need, you'll get some money. After that, you can build your wealth. And it, I just came across me and uh, the the realtor Damien that I did his TVs yesterday. We talked about this right here. A hundred thousand dollars is what fifty used to be. Everybody want man, I get that fifty thousand dollars job I'm doing. Mm. Now a hundred thousand dollars is the it's new norm. If, if if now again, if you can't relate to that, it's okay. Get there. You see how I switched? I ain't say arrogant. You can't uh, get there. Tap into that gift. Get that hundred k. Everybody can do it. Money is neither good nor bad. It's what you do with it. Absolutely. What advice would you give to the young Marcus? If you could look back on your journey, like what advice would you give to the young Marcus? Um, real simple. Do not, do not become a father until you are married. That's I'm it. with that. I'm at, definitely it. with I that. I tell anybody, don't, don't do it because I understand the statistical um, detriment that you put your child in if uh, a mother is single. That is, that's not what children need. That's not what children deserve. And generally speaking, no child flourishes in a single parent home. That's just how it is, especially when you're black. Absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. You know, like I said, I was, I became a young father at, at 22, just mm -hmm. out here living and, mm -hmm. and just not thinking about the responsibilities, even though I knew what you, you know what comes with it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you just still, you know, thinking you can do whatever you want to do in life and just, uh, and just, you're invincible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that, that comes with the territory. So I definitely agree with the part about, you know, waiting until you're married. Even though things happen when you get married mm -hmm. and then you still may separate, mm -hmm. but I think you may have a greater chance. Yeah, the you know. intentions were good. Ab absolutely. There you go. Mm -hmm. My final uh, couple of questions as we get ready to wrap it up. Um, so what's, have you thought about, you know, with so much on your plate, um, like with your children getting older, but but have you thought about, you know, bringing in other people? Or do people even ask you about, hey, Marcus, can I come <laughs> learn learn up under you? Or do they even ask for advice? Or do you feel like they're too, you know, prideful to, you know, ask for help. Man, no, no. My inbox lit up people every day, all day. Can I shadow you? Can you come and help me do this right here? Here's the thing about um, Marcus Mounts. Marcus Mounts is an intimate job. So when I go into Carlos' house, Carlos is looking for Marcus because he trusts Marcus is going to go into his house and he's going to have his Rolex sitting on that stand and he's going to mount his TV. And when I leave, that Rolex is still sitting there. Um, that's true. And that yeah. shout out to my guy. 
Um, I can't think of his damn so horrible names, but <laughs> he see this, he know. He that's who put me on Rolex. He was like, he's a realtor out of Greenville, and he he had his Rolex sitting in there, and I was like, bro, I like that. But again, he wasn't like, yeah, let me watch you. He already knew, man, that's Mark. He good. good. So I just can't take people all into other people's houses. Mm-hmm. The only people that I do take with me usually are my children and my customers. They are accepting them. My children, they'll say, hey, is your son coming? Is your daughter coming? But I had one lady or a time or two where I say, listen, I think about bringing John Doe with me. No, Marcus, I just, I don't, I don't want too many people in my house. I'm so I have, to, I have to make sure my customers are okay because if I bring you with me and you take something, that's it's coming on back. me. And I'm not going to be able to bounce back from that. You see what I'm saying? You can't. Hey, he stole something. Nah, we don't do that. And that's understandable too, because yes, you don't want to just pop up with just anybody like, oh, oh, I thought you were just coming, you know, by yep. yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I completely yep. understand that. Yep. When you said this about shadow, it made me think of another question. I want to get your take on this. So let's just say it's a kid getting ready to graduate, and they they're on the fence about going to college or just going um, or going to get a job or creating their own opportunity, whatever it may be. In my mind, I'm I'm, I'm uh, just going through my experience. In my mind, if if, it's, if there's a kid that's on the fence about it, um, part of me says, you know, instead of just jumping right into college like most kids do, if you have a field that you're interested in, go shadow that person. Try to find somebody that, that's in that field that you want to do. Try to shadow them and see if that's what you really want to do before you go to college because if you just go not knowing what you really want to do, then you're wasting time and money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like just say you want to run a business, a lot of times the, the the educators that teach these courses, they don't always necessarily have a business. For me, I look at it as if I want to go under an entrepreneur that has a business. That way I can learn up under him. Would you advise them to go to college, try to figure it out, or before you do that, just go try to find somebody in your field of what you want to do and shadow them first. Yeah, of course. You you're gonna take the you wanna take you always wanna take progressive steps, okay? If mm-hmm. you know whatever it is that you want to do, find somebody's doing it. I always tell students that every time I tell anybody, wherever you want to go, ride the coattail of the person who's already doing it. This is why we mm-hmm. have so many people who are stuck. Because they're not humble enough, just like I did mm-hmm. with Marcus Richards. I say, you're better than me, teach me. Let's go. Let's talk. Now all of a sudden I'm Marcus Richards. I can teach the next man. So that's the whole thing. So before you go and do whatever it is that you think you want to do, find somebody who's doing it. They will teach you and tell you, but a lot of people are too prideful to say, I don't know. They, they don't want to swallow their pride. I will. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go and eat and vacation and drive and live in whatever I want to. Exactly. You got to put that pride to the side. Even, even for me, man, I... I always say you you never know. A closed mouth don't get fed. You never no. know until you ask. And and when I was in college, that's how I got the opportunity, you know, to cover professional sports. Because I remember seeing Coach Cox coming to the driving to the gas station and he had all these different sports decals, mm-hmm. the Gamecocks, Clemson, Hornets, Panthers, everything. And I was like, So you cover professional sports? And he would tell me, Yeah, I'm getting ready to go to such and such. I'm about to go up to Charlotte and interview who mm-hmm. such and such or Oh, yeah, Michael Jordan's up there. I'm going to Clemson or Carolina to do some interviews. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in college. I'm interested in, you know, uh, internship. He just gave me his card. He said, just give me a call. Gave him a call. Started covering Hot Broom High School football with him. And I never forget, we went up to um, – we went up to – we were headed to uh, Newberry for a uh, Broom and Newberry football game. 
And he's like, hey, uh, in a couple weeks, I'm going to ACC Media Day, and then after that, I'm going to cover the um, Charlotte Hornets. This was 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. The Hornets just switched back from being the Bobcats to the Hornets. And he said, you want to go with me? I said, yeah. So I'm just 20, 22 years old at the time, just trying to figure things out. Mm -hmm. And we went to Media Day, and I seen all these coaches, Coach K, Roy Williams, uh, Jim Beheim. And then we go to the Hornet season opener, and I get a chance to, you know, see the the, the Kimball Walker, Al, Al Jefferson, those guys, and walking down the hallway one way after the game was over with, and Michael Jordan's coming the other way. And I'm just like, mm. dang, see, that's Mike. Yeah, yeah, so it's like none of that happens for me if I don't open my mouth and just right. ask for help because you never out. know what these people going to do for you and give you mm -hmm. these opportunities. So I'm always thankful for that. And I think last time I talked to Coach, I need to reach out to him again. It's probably been about almost a year. And I was matter of fact, I was just asking him for help again last year about, you know, potentially covering the Hornets. So he just gave me some information. Hey, try to re reach out to this person right here. I sent an email. Next thing you know, just by me asking him again for help, he was able to help me connect the dots, mm -hmm. you know, start covering, covering the Hornets again last season. So it's like – you never know what anybody do to for you unless you ask for help. That's right. And uh, like you said, a lot of people, you got to put their pride to the side um, because you could potentially be blocking your blessings. Mm -hmm. A couple more questions. I know we got to wrap it up, Go man. I, I enjoyed this conversation, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot of gems, man. Um, how important for you has faith been on your journey? First and foremost, that, that's what it's been. Um, I think without faith, I don't think I, I probably would have given up or, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here. So, yeah. mm -hmm. And that's the thing that, that I don't promote a whole lot of it because then, then now you're now being intimate, too intimate on social media. So, yeah, I mean, God and my faith is like, mm -hmm. that, that's my. And I always say I'm, I'm never trying to, you know, force my beliefs on anybody. But yeah. if somebody asks me, man, I'm just like, man, like I said, well, Without my faith, without God, man, I'm not even, you know, sitting here. None of this is even possible for me. Um, like I, like I was, I actually recorded a video before this interview, and I was just sitting down in the chair right here mm -hmm. with the logo on the back, and I'm just like, look, man, just have faith and believe. I was like, man, I, when I started this, I remember I was sitting in my dad's backyard in the storage building. I had a laptop. It was a old HP laptop. And I would just sit there and I would just record myself and mm -hmm. not knowing where I was going, didn't even like the way I sounded, mm -hmm. but I would just record myself over mm -hmm. and over and uh, didn't like it, but I just kept on going, just kept mm -hmm. going one step after another. And it went from my dad's storage building to, you know, um, local entrepreneurs around our area. Then it expanded into different places like Atlanta and Charlotte then flying across the country to um, Oakland, California, L.A., Vegas, mm -hmm. New York, Miami, just like all of these things. It's like, man, it's no way possible that I'm just doing this by myself. Mm -hmm. If you think you're just doing it by yourself, just forget it. And that's just my mm -hmm. personal opinion. Yeah. It's not you by yourself. Um, so whatever you believe in, that's that's you. But just understand it's, it's definitely a higher power that's helping make all of this stuff possible. Yeah, because for me, I'm just like, man, it's no way possible. And just looking at the logo and just sitting in this mm -hmm. office space, I'm like, man, just... And even in times where I'm like, and I'm not saying I don't still, you know, have doubts in moments or like may have times where like I may question things like, man, remember where you are, or remember where you were and where you are now. Mm -hmm. Like you still have a lot to be thankful for, even if you're still striving for more. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you still have to be grateful for what you have because the man upstairs can take all of that away Fact. in a quick second. Fact. Right. For you, do you have, do you still have moments? Um, like I said, you you your persona and everything that you have, you you're always confident and you you speak positivity and you like to encourage people. But do you still have moments where you have like moments of self doubt or, or you question things? Yeah, man. Yeah, boy. Whoo, me and look, me and that white truck, boy. There's sometimes I'm sitting there <laughs> like, man, how? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, the numbers. Wait a minute. It, it's Thursday, and I know this is the number I'm supposed to be getting. And then all of a sudden the phone rang. I'm like, okay, there it is. Thank you, God. Absolutely. Gotta be patient. So yeah, of course. Listen, that I'm human first and foremost. So yeah, I, I still have anxiety about certain things. I still get stressed. Um, but again, I still have that one or two people who are looking to me um, as their strength, as their guide. So on social media, I'm gonna give you my best foot because that's that's the only thing social media is. It's 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 a snapshots of our best. The best it's a highlight course. reel. That's all. It's a high, highlight reel. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna give you the highlight reel. I'm gonna I'm gonna brush my teeth before I come on social media. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you the best. But then when you see me in the street, you're like, oh, I thought you were. No, I'm just a normal person. Yeah, That's just a persona. Yep. I got my final two questions, and mm-hmm. we're gonna get ready to wrap this up. You know, you've been able to achieve a great wealth, um, a great um, level of success. Um, achieve your dream cars. Um, Six figures, everything. We don't want to put a number out there, whatever. I don't want nobody to run up on you or anything nah, like that. Because I, I, I ain't got nothing. Right, exactly. Don't, don't mess. But when people say more money, more problems, do you feel like money has helped um, resolve any issues for you, or does it just like does it still, you know, with money, you know, people still ask you for things, or like it still, you know, brings different issues, maybe different type of issues, but does still money bring even when you're making more money? Does that still bring in issues? Um, well, it hasn't brought me any issues. It has alleviated issues such as bills because I don't have any anymore. Um, yeah, I don't have bills. Um, I don't. I don't fret the first of the month or, you know, I I live a contrary to what people see on social media. I live a very very humble life. I'll tell you right now, my mortgage is four hundred dollars a month. Mm. Four hundred. That's a that's a pair of J's. Yeah. That's why I can just. Go and eat where I want to. Mm-hmm. So I live. I live a very humble, real life, you know. But on social media, it looks like it's extravagant. It's not. Right. It's very laid back, chilling, boring. Um, but do I have people who ask me for money all the time? Me and my brother Trey Lindsay always talking on the phone. How people just, hey, can you help me with this? Can I buy this? Can I borrow this? And this is what I do. Here's my thing. So this, this is another thing people are gonna figure out. I tell people, hey. I'm waiting for this other person to pay me back. So before I get you some money, I'm waiting for this person to pay me back. Because I know I have two or three people who haven't paid me back. They probably won't pay me back. So that means until they pay me back, I can't give you any money. That's my cop mm-hmm. Well, they probably like, man, Marcus, Marcus already got it. He don't need this yeah, money back. Or they that, hoping that, you forget yeah, about the, it. The entitlement. The, these people are entitled. These people are entitled. Just because you got it, you need to give it to me. I'm not giving you my money. I work. Absolutely. No, go to work. Yes, that's that's simple. Like, just go to work yeah. and go forward, or or just ask for help. Like, can you show me the way of, of how to acquire this Thank instead you. of just because just giving somebody money, they don't really value it. They just all right. Well, I got this. Then I'm mm-hmm. good. Like, I don't need you know yeah. stuff like that. That's just how like they you are. Said, that that entitlement. We got to get ready to wrap it up. Um, my final question that I like to ask everybody at the end. 
you know, it's part of the, when I'm on the road interviewing entrepreneurs, um, I love to ask everybody as part of the Cross the Line podcast, self-investment tours, what does self-investment mean to you? Self-investment means that you're going to invest in yourself so that you can give the world the best, the best you. And that's the only thing we can do while we're on this short time on this rock. We want to invest in ourselves that we, so we can project the best part of us, that we can help the next man do something better than, better than us. Absolutely. And I meant to ask you this, Marcus. Mm-hmm. Do you believe, like I love to ask entrepreneurs this, because you, you, you do a lot, um, you're traveling, you, you, you're um, building wealth for your family. Do you believe in there's a, a such thing as balance? With everything that you have going on, do you think there's a such thing as balance? Man, I get that question 30 times a day. Marcus, you need balance. Marcus, you need balance. So let me go and tell people. Here's when I know I need balance, okay? My body tells me when I need to balance. And it tells me because I'll, get, I'll, I'll be working, but then I have to, like, just stop. Because, I mean, I've overdone it. So, balance is what I've been saying. The people who love me near and dear, they say, hey, you need some balance. You need balance. It's like, as an entrepreneur, I don't know what that means. I don't know how to get it because what I'm doing is fun to me. Mm-hmm. But the people on the outside think I'm working. I'm not working. I'm just going to people's homes, putting a couple holes in the wall, throw the TV up. They're happy, and I'm happy. That's not work. So right. how do I balance? Where it's like you telling the kid, "Hey, don't play basketball today. Find some balance." I'm just playing basketball. I can play basketball all day. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with it. You've never went outside and say, all right, son, you, you, you're dribbling that basketball. You've been playing basketball every day. You need to find some balance. To do what? I'm getting paid exactly. to have fun. I'm going to drill the holes in the wall. I, I, so, again, the, the balance part, what else would I do if I wasn't Mount TV? Sitting down? I don't know how to sit down. Right. So, Balance is something that I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know. But and I, I like to ask that question because you know a lot of times people um, they say, man, you you could be spending that time with family or friends. Like like it's it's gonna be a give and take with what you're doing at times. But like I I always go back to something Shannon Sharp said, um, and he was saying to a point like if somebody was interviewing him or something, he was just like, you know, if you truly want to be great and you want to leave a legacy and have something for your family. To him, it was no such thing as balance. Because now, granted, he's a, he was a professional football player, one of the all-time greatest tight ends ever. And he would say he at times he may not have been the best uh, brother or father or son, anything, because he was so committed to what he was doing. And all he could think about was getting his grandmother out of that house that had that leaking roof. So he was so committed to being great. You know, he at times he may not have had the balance, but. He had a vision of what he wanted to do and what he was trying to do, and he accomplished that. Mm-hmm. So for him, it was like at the time, there's no such thing as balance because when you really want to be great at something, mm-hmm. there's going to be times where you lack in one area. You may be great in one area, but you lack in others. Yeah. But there's a level of commitment that you have to be willing to make. Here's, here's my thing, and it just not come to me. The reason that I think that, that, that I don't have that balance, because balance is too close to being broke. I'm not doing it. You know, you you can my children can can ask for anything and I and I have worked to the point where I cannot say I don't have it. That's a great That's a, right, issue yeah. to have. They can't say, Well, my daddy don't have it. Yeah, my daddy does have it. Now, is he gonna give it to me? That's an issue that right. I have. It's not an issue of I don't know how much does it cost. 
We're gonna I alleviate that by not having that that mm-hmm. well, it's gonna be homework, chill with the chill. No, my students, my, my children big now. So balance is too close to being broke. I used to be balanced like it was just straight even Steven. But that's close too close to being broke. Mm-hmm. That's close too close to having anxiety about a bill. Now, no. The balance is this is my new balance. This is me. with your kids, do you uh like that entitlement? What do you teach them about, you know, not having that sense of entitlement of like, hey, my like I said, you say, I know my dad has it, mm-hmm. but am I really going to ask him for it or is he going to give it to me? Like, where are you when it comes to, you know, showing them the work ethic because they can clearly see it or, you know, just giving them something? All right. So with my children, I will say this right here. My children have a great um, work ethic. Um, I've They've been along on um, Mountie with me. Um, they've been on many pictures. So all of my students, all of my children. All the way down to my baby girl. They know how to actually mount a TV. And they know about the studs. They know the basis of doing it. And they also know the work ethic. So Because I've actually brought them along and say, this is what your daddy does, okay? If you want to do this or you want to be able to live this certain way, you're going to have to have this work ethic because nothing is free. Now, as long as they're doing what they're supposed to do, I'm going to help them. And a lot of times I may give them a little, little run around, a little headache. But it's only so that they can, you know what? I don't want to have to depend on my daddy all the time but I know he's there a hundred percent but I know if I just need it daddy got me but I just don't want to just keep daddy 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 because my daughters always say the only thing my daddy say is yes because always that's all I say to him. <laughs> that's that's why I met it's with hard. my girls like with, with my son I'm like all right nah you good right now you can just chill for a minute or come with me mm-hmm. and I'm gonna you gonna come do some stuff with me my daughters they ask me for something they're like daddy can I do this or can I have that and it's hard for me. That's yeah. why I met with the girls. It's like, dang. Yeah. I know I'm, I know right now I need to like not do it for them, but it's daddy girl. Yeah. So a- yeah, like my like my oldest, um, my kid just turned 20 today and Monet turned 22 last week. If there's something going on, if my baby girls, they call me, they can continue to call me until they're dead. Because until they're, they're somebody's wife, they're, I'm responsible for them, so I'm going to take care of them. I don't want them to have to go and worry about, I need to ask this man for this. No, the man in my life is my daddy, and my daddy got it. So they don't have to depend on anybody but me. Absolutely. Perfect way to put it. Marcus, I know we got to wrap it up, man. Your phone ringing I'm off the hook, this, man. Marcus is Mouse, man. It don't busy stop. time, a busy time. Marcus, before we get out of here, can you tell everybody how to find you online? Oh, you can find me find on uh, Facebook at Marcus Porter Senior. You can find me on IG at Marcus underscore Porter underscore Senior, which is just SR, or you can also call me at 864-426-7107, or if you hashtag Marcus Mounts on Facebook or anywhere, hashtag Marcus Mounts, that's me. We're going to get out of here on this. People who want to pursue their dreams um, may not may not be um, entrepreneurship or whatever it is. Maybe it is entrepreneurship. Just leave them a bit of advice so they can pursue that uh, level of you know financial stability or just pursue their dream, dreams in general. Just give them a, a, a quick message. Uh, here's my message to you all. Don't stop. Don't pay attention to any distractions. Listen to you. Be confident in anything that you say you are going to do. Not what you want to do, because I don't care what you want to do. Whatever you're going to do, do it. Speak it as if and live it as you got it. Perfect way to put it. Marcus, again, thank you for your time, man. Um, I know you got to go up and get out of here. So hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode of the Cross the Line Podcast. Until next time, keep chasing your dreams. Thank you for listening.